play. play it. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League specific news, information, and stats with your obnoxious commissioner, Maddie C. Well, g'day, it is Matty C here. I am the commissioner of the Astro League Fantasy Football League, and I'm also the owner of the Carabao Kings in this league, although eliminated now, so not so much to tell you about my silly team anymore. Welcome into the Saturday show. There is a lot to talk about on the Saturday show. Firstly, because we are a unicorn of a league. Why are we a unicorn of a league? Guys who listen all the time know this. Everyone in the league knows this, but maybe, maybe you don't. We are a 16-team American Fantasy Football League, which is uncommon in size to start with, pretty big league. We've got some pretty weird scoring as well. Quarterbacks will get six points for a passing touchdown and a bonus point for 300 yards of passing. We're a half-point PPR league, which means just by catching a ball, any player who can do that will get a half a point every time they do it. And then there's also a bonus for 100 yards of any player getting that in receiving or in rushing, and just attracting an extra little point for them. But the other thing that makes us a bit of a unicorn is that we are 100% owned by Australian players, all based in Australia as well. So it's a heck of a league to be a part of, and the guys here know that already. And at this point of the season, we've wrapped up the regular season, and now we've got the pointy end. We've got the six best teams all lined up, ready to go for Wild Card Weekend. You can find us here on Instagram and Facebook at Astro League Podcast. There's always heaps of content up there. I'm going to keep it coming all week. Engage with it, smack talk on it, ask questions on it. We even have segments every week with Sheriff Seahorse and with Taylor Talk. So if there's things you want to talk to those guys about, you can also leave it there and we'll get it into the show. Just don't lose it. This is the Astro League, your Astro League podcast. Fantasy football. Yeah, boy. Now, the Saturday edition this week... It doesn't come with my usual sort of preview of what's going to happen in week 13 or week 12 or week 11 like it does through the regular season. But you know why? Of course you know why. It's playoffs, baby. And I've got Taylor coming in to do a Taylor talk specifically around the two wildcard matchups and the head-to-head between those two teams. That's going to be fantastic because Taylor, he's taken his shots at teams this year with Studley and Dudley. He's taken his shots at players this year with his whole, you know, same game multis and we're deciding who at each position is going to be the most worthwhile from the waiver wire. And, and then we go back through and, uh, you know, we nail and fail it. So we're going to do the same next week with him with that. But I think everybody will enjoy what he's got to say about that. There's even a little game in there. Ah! Okay, I won't blow any more about what happens in Taylor Talk. But before we go, I did want to explain just one more thing. So, through the year, I've been bringing a different little statistic to most episodes just to talk about, you know, whether it be how teams are travelling at all-time wins, how teams are travelling all-time in win percentage, or how they're winning against their scoring. And that's really the one I wanted to talk about now since that, that metric is wrapped up for the year now for 10 of the 16 teams. And I thought I should go division by division and explain... Hey, how did a team score? How many weeks did they score above the average? How many wins did they have? How many wins did we expect they should have? And have a look at, well, how does that sort of tot up against how they actually went? So were they getting shafted or were they outperforming? Let's start in the north because I've started in the north every week lately for everything. And also, they're kind of that division where, you know, it's been such a calamity of a division. It's just the funnest to start with. So we'll start with the division winner, which was Tony. He was above average seven times this year. And now by above average, I don't mean above the annual total average, which was 100.68 points per team per week. 
I mean above the average of each specific week. So some weeks the average was over 100, some it was in the 90s. How did he perform each week against that specific week's average? He was above average seven times. He wound up with seven wins. We actually thought the way he scored with relation to the average meant he should be in around the six and a half win sort of mark, which means, well, he probably outscored that by half a win. The Cornhuskers, who came second in that division, they were only above average five times all year. They managed six wins. With how they were scoring against that average, we thought they should have five wins. So, in the end, they were one whole win ahead of the expected wins. The Canberra Crusaders came in third in that division. They were above average six times, but could only muster four wins. And in fact, the way they scored against that average, I had them marked at two 0.6 extra wins. They should have finished at 6.6, and they are finishing at four wins. So Tim, to me, you might actually be the most unlucky person in the entire league, and I know Taylor won't want to hear that. Last team to look at in this division, and propping it up from the bottom, sadly Jackal, who also had four wins, same as Tim Tim, was only above average three times this year, which is a real pity, because I think, Jackal, your season started so well. All those weeks of scores around 100, five of them in a row, and, uh, and sadly only over average two of those weeks and then only average once after that I actually had that you know with four wins I expected to have 3.7 so you're around about right jump into the south and the winner of this division is the struggle town sausage dogs now they had a great year eight weeks above average nine wins although the scoring probably not quite there I had them at seven and a half wins which means they outperformed by a win and a half which is one of the higher marks in the entire league Second in that division is Jizz Potts. He winds up with eight wins, but I had him above average seven times, and I also had his expected wins to be around 7.1. So it looks like he probably benefited by getting one more win than maybe he should have. And then, of course, in third place in that division is my terrible Kings team. I was only above average five times in this whole year, but I somehow wound up with eight wins. And gee, in that last week of the season there for a while, it looked like I could have found a way to get a ninth, and that would have been just horrible because I was already 2.6 wins in the benefit. The way I'd been scoring, it looked like I should have only had 5.4 wins. The other team in this division is last year's champ going for tour. It has not been a great year for him. He finishes bottom of the division, which is a real pity. And he had five weeks above average, so he's no worse than me. I had that he should have had four expected wins as well, which is not all that much behind where I was scoring. And yet he winds up with five wins and I wind up with eight. That's horrible stuff. The way I see it though, Mark still probably ended up winning one more game than maybe he should have. So this is the thing. Our entire division actually probably outperformed our scoring. Over in the East, the winner of this division is $10 Booker. This is Scuba's team. Now, he had a heck of a season. He went out and scored above average eight times. He also had eight wins. The way he was scoring though, the weeks he didn't score well, they were pretty bad weeks. And I've found him to be in the range of around 7.2 wins. So he probably benefited by almost a full win. Second in that division was Gnomes. This guy, this guy makes my model look great. He's above average seven times. He wins seven times. I have him at 7.0 expected wins. The guy is balanced. Oh, man, that makes me feel good. Next in the division was Brendox Birdman, who leaped playmaker in the last week of the year thanks to his scoring and finishing with the same amount of wins. I had that while he was only above average three times all year, Brendan. 
What a horrible year for him. He wound up with five wins, and I expected he probably should have had four based on the way he was scoring. So he winds up probably one win ahead of the way he was scoring. I mean, the weeks that he didn't get average, so he only had three weeks above average, I mean, he scored close enough to the realm to win kind of, you know, cumulative bits of wins in the way that my team didn't get to average and won with scores below. Uh, Brendan below, but just didn't get those wins. The last team in the division here is the Kenny and the Playmaker side, above average three times with four wins. My model put him at 4.2 wins, so he's about right. Then over in the West, the winner of this division is the Olacan Space Pirates. They had a tremendous year. They were above average nine different times. They got nine wins, and somehow, thanks to their scoring, they should have had 9.5 wins. So even with all the success they had, now the number one seed, I still had that they were getting shafted by a win. Or I still had that they were getting shafted by half a win. Unbelievable. Second in the division is the Queensland football team. They also had a terrific year. Nine weeks above average nine wins the way they scored i had them at eight and a half expected wins so also shafted by maybe as much as half a win third in the division is pete jiggity jagged edge now his season was pretty uneven he had seven weeks above average he had six wins and even then i really kind of had that he should have expected to probably only win 5.6 games because some of these games above average were just above average so i mean you can only expect to win half of those so with the 5.6 expected wins and the six total wins i had that he was only around about a half a game ahead last team in the division here i think this is going to surprise him taylor only had five weeks above average this year I mean, for the team that he had, you look at his team on paper and you go, how did this guy only get above average five times? The great thing for me, I'm going to celebrate a, a Matty nailed here. Uh, he only had five wins and I had him projected out to only have 5.6 expected wins. Hooray, nice shot Matty, right? Uh, that means that he was actually only shafted by 0.6 of a win. Take that, Taylor. Timmy Tim, I'm so sorry, the most shafted team in the league. Two and a half wins below expectation, but then on the other end, me, the most successful team of the year based on my own scoring, me two and a half wins ahead. That is expected wins. I'm going to bring this metric back next year. I might even try and drag it out for seasons gone by and try and have a career expected wins um, and, and just see how many people are lucky beyond what they should be and who is not doing so well compared to what they should be and how it looks over a, like a full body of work. There are teams who have been in this league for 11 years now. So, you know, that's a lot of data. It'll take a little while to do, but I think it'll be fun. I mean, I could definitely do it for right up to the 16-team era where we started doing the World Cup playoff. That'd be fun. All right, without messing around any further, I think we all know why you're here. It shows up every time in the download stats too. We're all here for Taylor, right? This is it. It's actually Taylor's show. And I am just the guy who, you know, introduces him, edits it all together, whacks in the little drops. Ladies and gentlemen, the host of the show, it's Taylor Talk Time. Matty, it's playoff time, baby. Straight away, just wanted to say a big congratulations to all the teams uh, that made the playoffs. Uh, yep. Seahorse, Adam, TC, Stephen, Justin and Joel. It's a hard leg just to make the playoffs, so you should all feel really great just being there and a huge good luck to all of you this week and moving forward. 
Congrats to everyone else who didn't make it as well. This year has been truly crazy, but everyone kept at it and did everything they could to make this an incredibly competitive league. Well done and look forward to draft day in 2021. Yeah, yeah. That's it, mate. I thought I'd just do a little announcement there before I start tearing some shreds off some teams, but <laughs> I thought I'd do the nice thing first. Um, but yeah, no, it's been a great year. It's a, such a well-run league and having the podcast has been great. So I just wanted to sort of start there. Um, Love it. Now, now, after all the nice stuff, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> not, it's now time for me to look into these two matchups and pick out where I believe these matchups could be won and give some predictions on some bust and boom players. So I'll start with TC and Adam. TC has copped a lot of shit this season about being in such a weak division, which he completely deserves. But I think <laughs> his team has peaked at the right time, and I'll go into some players in a sec that I love. And overall, I think his team is far better than his 7-6 and six record suggests. Agreed. Adam, after starting slow, has been one of the most consistent teams all year. He battled through the tough, high-scoring West to get himself into second in that division and jagged a wild card. This is going to be a fantastic matchup, and I can't wait to look further into it. I'm going to break down into matchups of positions and give my prediction on scores for those players. So, Rogers versus Mahomes. Now, this seems like where you'd assume that Adam would have a giant edge, but I'm going to hold my horses on that initial thought. Let's play a game here, Matty C. It's called Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes. I give you a stat and you tell me whether I'm talking about Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes. Oh, okay. Okay, let's do it. This player has averaged over 32 fantasy points a game over the last seven weeks. Seven weeks? Yep. Let's say it's Patrick Mahomes. Nope, it's Aaron Rodgers. Mahomes has averaged a touch under 30 in that same span. They're big numbers. That's it. So one of these two players has thrown 36 touchdowns this season and the other one has thrown 31. Which is which? Mm. I'm going to just continue to lean on Mahomes being the big number. Let's go 36 Mahomes. Nope, we're wrong again. So 36 is Aaron Rodgers and 31 is Patrick Mahomes. So it's just a decent look into how close these guys actually are. So there's an idea out there that Mahomes would just destroy this matchup. But when you actually have a look at the data, it's it's actually not the case. Mm. So I've got one last one for you. Right. Both players have over 3,300 passing yards. One has 3,815. One has 3,395. Who is who? A 500 yards gap. Uh, now I feel like you're going to do the double bluff here and you go, aha, so it's uh, it's Aaron Rodgers who's got all the yards. I, I feel like you're going to then pull the rug out from under me and go, no, it's Mahomes. <laughs> um, but I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to say it's Rodgers who has the yards. So you're saying, sorry, Rodgers has the extra yards or doesn't? Yeah, yeah. Let's give him the 500 extra. So you're 0 from 3. <laughs> <laughs> this one was the edge to Mahomes, so I just wanted to even that up a bit because if I'd just gone Rogers the whole time, it would have just seemed like it was just the whole quiz would have been uh, marked at trying to say that Rogers had you know Rogers more of everything. Them. But um, this wasn't an anti-Mahomes segment; it was just to show you how good Rogers has been this year, and not to assume that Mahomes runs away with this matchup. Mahomes has hmm. 400 yards more than Rogers, which is worth 16 points roughly. Rogers has five more touchdowns, though, which is worth 30 points, roughly. So these guys are incredibly close over the course of the season. On top of all that, there's their matchups. Rogers is against the Lions, who are a travesty on defense everywhere. They rank 23rd against QBs, and Rogers has been tearing up everyone except the Buccaneers. 
Mahomes is against the Dolphins, who are number seven against the QB position, and they are far more beatable on the ground. So this could be a game where they run the ball a bit more. Don't hear what I'm not saying here, though. Mahomes is matchup proof. He's the best QB in the league by a long, long way. So if I'm Adam, I'm not worried. I just believe this all plays in part for capping some of Patrick Mahomes' ceiling and keeps this matchup with Rodgers in check. So straight away, I'm going to go an upset here. Rodgers has a chip on his shoulder, and I think that continues here. There's always a chance that Aaron Jones pilfers some upside against an atrocious run defense, but Rodgers is on a mission at the moment, so I'm picking a 32-30 win for Rodgers. Why not start with an upset? Well, you know, that was what I was going to say, too, at the bottom of all this. Oh, it's a danger matchup for Mahomes, so he'll only score 28. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. You can't really sit here and, you know, pick at Mahomes going, oh, man, he's going to kill Adam this week. He's he's going to be fantastic. It's just whether he scores 40 or scores 30. That's pretty much the difference pretty- that you have to look into the matchup for. So I think the fact that Miami can stop QBs. Um, yeah. I know Mahomes isn't most QBs, but the fact that they've been good against them at least caps some of his ceiling, and I don't see a 450-yard day like you did against the Buccaneers. Yeah, I mean, at the bottom of it all, they can both have days where they're just human beings throwing a football, can't they? They're not always caked up superheroes. Yeah, which I don't think Matt, Pat Mahomes is a human being. I think he's from outer space, but we'll, uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll see We'll see how that turns out this week. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's <laughs> Now, You're if right. I take this long to do every matchup, we'll be here till Christmas 2021. So some <laughs> yeah, of these I'll other matchups will go a lot quicker, not to mention yeah. we haven't even gotten to the second fantasy matchup yet. Uh, so <laughs> Zeke and Derek Henry versus David Montgomery and Kenyon Drake. I love all these guys this week, and they all have fantastic matchups. So let, let's get into it. I don't need to spend much time on Derek Henry. He's a beast, and he's playing a very beatable Jaguars team. There's also a decent chance that the Titans will lead and they will feed Henry the whole second half. So I project after a tough week for Henry last week that he completely destroys the Jags and I'm going big on him and projecting 25 points. Yeah, he could do it. Zeke is interesting and I like the trade for him by TC. The Cowboys' offense actually looks better than expected against the Ravens and playing the beatable Bengals rushing defense ranked number 18. I'm actually thinking the Cowboys lead here too uh, against a backup QB in Cincinnati. So I think Zeke gets a lot of work. I'm not as worried about Pollard as I was a couple of weeks ago. And I think Zeke, being the highly paid guy, continues to get most of the work. I'm projecting yep. him for 16 here. Wow, that's a big one. Yeah, so that, yeah, that, that'll make a difference. A lot of volume and a touchdown by the sound of that. I picked Montgomery as my breakout player, and since then he has scored 23.8 and 25.1. Boom! I'll accept all the praise for this, people. (laughs) And yes, they were great matchups against the Packers and Lions, but that won't continue, right? Oh, yes. He gets the Texans, who are 31st against running backs. He also has 10 receptions in the last two games, which is a huge bonus. Yeah. Marvelous Montgomery continues here, and he pushes Henry with a 21. Going, wow. going big here. Drake is the most interesting. Uh, they are leaning on him more with Kyler struggling with injury. This is also a great matchup for a running back because the Giants are 23rd against running back but 6th against QB. So if the Cardinals are smart, they will lean on Drake. I'm projecting him for one point higher than Zeke at 17. So overall, it's 41-38 TC in a pretty high-scoring uh, running back matchup. Well, and after you've added 30 and 32 for the quarterbacks, that's 70 each yep. with just three players. I think, I think wow. the top of their teams are just going to go apeshit, both of them. Wow. So, Lockett and Davis versus Landry and Brown. Let's get even quicker here. 
I'll group the Titans together because they obviously have the same matchup against the 28th-ranked Jacksonville Jaguars. I project this to be a big Derrick Henry game, but there will still be plenty left for these guys. Brown is hard because he's questionable with an ankle injury, but I'll project it like he's healthy. Tanithrill fed Davis like a fat kid in a cake shop last week, which I think takes a bit of a downturn this week. I still believe Brown is the mainstay of the Titans receiving core, so I'm going to project him higher, but Davis looked fantastic last week. Double figures for both with 13-11 as my projection. Now, Landry versus Lockett. Landry was fantastic two weeks in a row, but here he gets a far tougher test in the Ravens' secondary, which is ranked in the top 12 against wide receivers. Landry is the clear number one option, but I'm worried for Landry this week, uh, as I believe it's going to be a running back fest with Chubb and Hunt. I'm projecting a downtick for Landry here with a nine. Lockett is a huge breakout candidate against the Jets. He's seen a regression over the last month or so, but I can see a big game for Wilson and co. here, especially after last week's struggles. Who gets the receptions out of DK and Lockett is the million-dollar question each week, but I'm calling a big one for Lockett here as he snags a 17-point week. So it's TC 28-22 here. Wow, so TC's running the board at At the moment. At the moment, yeah. So I've got Tonyan versus Hawkinson. Ah, the position that's leaving my end less than tight. (laughs) If you are Adam or TC here, you want me to go against you because I've been so wrong about basically everything I've done in this position. My anus is like throwing a sausage down a hallway at this point. (laughs) I like both of these guys, though, so sorry, guys. Hawkinson with the better floor, but Tonyan gets so many red zone looks. Plus, he has the better QB. But in saying that, I'm taking Hawkinson to edge it out because if they both get no TDs, then Hawkinson is a far better play. I'm calling Adam 12-7 here. God, and this is that question of, oh, you got to go over the floor, but you got to go over the ceiling. Yep. And, you know, Tonyan, we saw the three-touchdown game. But, you know, Hawkinson, he's actually he's playing well. I think he's tied he's in like, three. You know, in the top five, it's tied in for the position. I think he might year. be so, three. I heard a... I heard yeah. that he was three last week. I don't know if it changed based off last week, but I, I think I'm pretty sure no, it's Kelsey Waller and him. And I mean, there's a clear tear break to Hawkinson at Definitely. three, but you know, he's the floor play. And to me, yeah, Tonyan, I don't even know how many points he's got on the year, but I'm going to go ahead and bet that somewhere in the vicinity of half of that cake is from that one game. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and last two weeks, he's had a touchdown in both weeks. So that's been great. But, yeah, the the three-touchdown day where I don't think they had Adams or uh, what's what's the other guy's name? Lazar, the Lazard King. Lazard, yeah, the Lazard King, that's it. (laughs) I had a lizard break in my mind there for a sec, but uh, all they had was Valdez Stantling, and he can't catch a cold. So, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Gorman versus Higgins in the flex. Uh, I've talked about my worries about the Bengals receiving core. With a backup QB, it completely drops the floor and ceiling of those guys. So this is going to be another segment that goes TC's way. As Gallman has looked great and gets a good matchup against the Cardinals, it's 13-8 here to TC. That's unreal. Now, I don't want to go too far into kickers and defense, but I will mention a clear chance to make up points for Adam here with the Saints defense and the Packers defense. I, I think the Lions score points on the Packers, plus the coaching change yeah. the Lions has freed up the passing game for the staff infection, and I see that being a high-scoring game, whereas the Saints could put up 20 against the Eagles. Now, if Wentz was there, it would have probably been even better for the Saints, but playing against a rookie should also be fruitful, so I'm picking a 16-5 win there for Adam. 
Yeah, I mean that could be really ugly one sided. That one. Yeah, that's that. That's a. Cl- I just I didn't want to mention too much. Obviously, at the end there with kickers and defense, but I feel like that's a clear chance for Adam to make something up. Yeah, I agree. And with the way those two positions score too, I mean. I haven't been sort of, you know, running down with a pen since you've been putting up all these numbers. But I, I imagine that there is a great chance that that could swing everything that Adam loses anywhere else if your predictions kind of come close. Uh, that whole thing could just be sucked up by the Saints just kick and fill yep. his butt. And that, that's a huge yeah. chance for Adam because if, he, if he's actually closer in the, the top part than I'm projecting, then that could be what wins it for him. So overall, yeah. I'd love to stick strong with the West, but... I really like TC's team, particularly based on matchups this week. And I'm picking him to move on to week two with a huge scoring week for both, with him winning 132 to 126. Ah, huge. And I mean, worthy of a playoff. Would be. Worthy of a playoff. Yep. The other thing I think it does is it would prolong the Adam hasn't won a postseason game. (laughs) (laughs) It would just prolong it. And TC's last three games in the postseason were wins on his way to the title. It would just keep his postseason streak going. Oh and we'll God. get into it in this next matchup, but I believe they've both got unlucky here meet, meeting each other. I think those two are just going to have easily the best two weeks like out of out of the four that are left playing this week. I just think the matchups, the way their teams are set up, I think they're going to be the clear two top scoring teams out of the four. So, uh, yeah, it's yeah, a little bit unlucky been... there, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. That's it. In the other matchup, either of these teams could have been the two seed. It, Either of them, it, and then neither of them were. Exactly. So we we finally get to look at Stephen versus Justin. Stephen was actually surprising that he didn't get a week off. Uh, he had a fantastic year and looked like he had a quality team week in and week out. Justin also yeah. has a fantastic team, and that Murray-Cook stack has carried him to a great year. So it's Carr versus Murray. I love the first QB matchup, but I'm very worried about both these guys. Carr made up for shitting his undies against the Falcons by having a good game against the Jets, but he gets a tough matchup against the Colts, who are third against QBs. Kyler is also a worry this week as the Giants are sixth against the QB, and there seems to be a clear shoulder issue for him. So I can see them leaning on Kenyon Drake. I have to go Kyler still here, but I'm picking him to win 23-18. I mean, it's ugly, isn't it? But, you know, they've both got bad matchups for quarterbacks. Carr's had that horror game where... He could have scored more if he stayed in bed and he comes out and uh, and has a great game against a terrible Jets team. So take from that what you will versus Kyler, who's been amazing until he's got the shoulder injury and now he doesn't even look the same guy. It's just, oh, what Carr should do? have stayed on the toilet at home and just shat, his, shat everywhere. Like, he, he would have been better off doing that. He would have helped the Raiders a lot more if he did. And against the Falcons, you know, the vaunted Falcons defense. Oh, God. The Falcons are ranked last against QBs over the season, so that proves how bad he was. <laughs> All right. Almost so, Kamara slash Swift, and I've also put AP in brackets here because we're not 100% sure about Swift. Um, and that's that's going up against Cook and Singletary. Yeah. So now Swift plays, which he hasn't for a while because of concussion, and I think he had picked up another uh, little injury as well. Oh, yeah, an illness. illness. Sorry, that was it. it. So, yeah. And I know AP came out and said that he feels like he hasn't looked the same since his concussion. So I don't know if that's actually yeah. because of the illness or whether he's still holding concussion you know, issues. But um, I think either one of them could be the difference here. Obviously, Swift would be better. Uh, the Lions get a fantastic matchup against the Packers, so Swift would be a boom play, but Old Man Peterson could also have a good game. 
it's hard to assume that Swift will play. So I'm going to go down the centre of what I'd project Swift or Peterson to get. I'd project Swift to have a fantastic game and get 17, whereas Peterson, I'd be looking more about 10. So I'm going to go down the middle and go 13.5. I think that's fair. And there's an obvious yep. reason why. Kamara needs Breeze back to be one of the top two or three guys that he was. If Breeze plays, my projection would be far different, but I'll go with Hill being the QB here. Philly are decent against the running back position, and without the receiving floor um, that Breeze gives him, I'm going to go a 13 for Kamara. Well, yeah, I mean, I think the problem you get here is Taysom Hill takes away some of his rushing. Yeah. Taysom Hill's rushing also takes away some of that short pass work. And we see him put up a 16 last week, which is a welcome return. But there's definitely been a line between, you know, the games that Breeze has played and the games that Hill has played that shows up in Kamara's stats. It's obvious. It's that unignorable. felt like a ceiling game for Kamara at the moment last week, and he got 16. He's yeah. just got – I think they did a stat last week, and 65% of Kamara's points over the last two or three years has actually come in the receiving game. So that shows you how much it actually yeah. kills him by not having it with Hill there. And like you said, Hill just pilfers TDs on the goal line like, it, like it's nothing else. So Yeah, he a big cock blocker down there. In a way, the breeze is not the – that he might do it on the one, yeah, and that's it. You know, he occasionally will just push the line forward on a fourth and one as well. That, that's all the rushing you're ever going to see a breeze ever and ever, amen. Because if you've seen the guy run, yep. he runs like your dad, he shouldn't be running. <laughs> it's, uh, but Hill is a different beast, and he just takes a lot of that away. 100%. So now Cook has been the best fantasy running back in the league, and I'm not saying to worry here, yeah, but he gets an awful matchup against the Bucks here. Now, Cook is getting involved in the passing game, so there's not too much to worry about his floor, but his ceiling is far lower this week, and I'm calling a low rushing total, and he'll score 14. Wow. You know, so that's not a bad day for a running back, unless you're the number one running back, you know. It's, it's not going to kill Justin, but I just I struggle to see where he gets the 30-odd, where that he was sort of leaning on Cook for earlier in the year. Well, he gets it if... so. Strangely, the Vikings have two top seven wide receivers yep. in our scoring. Oh, but what that means is, you know, okay, I, maybe there's some long bomb passes down the field where all of a sudden they set up in something in goal and and Cook is getting yeah, rammed in from there. I, I struggle to see his 20-30 breakaway running plays this week. If, if it all of a sudden Thielen yeah. or, uh, you know, Jefferson gets pulled up one yard out, that's where you could see some value because, you know, he's good enough to run past that Bucks defense for a yard. So, you know, I'm not saying that can't happen. I yeah. just have to project the fact that he's getting a tough matchup here and I think his ceiling's lower. Yeah, I agree. I think the only way to, in my mind that I could see him having a big old day is, yeah, if there's a bunch of, you know, DPIs in the end zone and they set up first and one. That's it. You know what I mean? Like, on the goal run. Yeah, that, that's so, Singletary yeah. has looked okay in the last two weeks, but he gets a bad matchup too against Pittsburgh. He's mediocre, and against a great rushing defense, I'm taking him to score six. Don't he really need to go further into cool. that? So, overall yeah. there, Steven is up 26.5 to 20. Yeah. Don't think that's unfair. So, Alan Robinson and Deontay Johnson versus Mike Evans and C.D. Lamb. All four get good matchups, finally. Finally for Stephen and Justin. Alan Robinson against Houston, who are 21st against wide receivers, and he has looked good with Trubisky instead of Foles. I'm picking him for 13 points. Deontay Johnson looks great, and with no running game, Big Ben keeps throwing 50-plus times. With that kind of passing amounts from Ben, it's hard to not like Johnson against Buffalo, who are in middle of the pack against the receivers. I'm going to go 11 here for Johnson. 
Mike Evans is hard to project. He could give you one reception or he could give you two touchdowns. He gets so many red zone targets, so you almost need to project him somewhere in the middle. But he has upside against the Vikings, who are 29th against right receivers. I'm going 12 points here for Evans. Lamb's the real wild card. I mentioned that I liked the Cowboys' offense last week, but it's hard for Lamb, who also has Cooper and Gallup. They're taking pieces of the receiving pie away. And when that pie isn't huge to begin with, with Andy Dalton, it's hard to really give him a huge projection. Since he is a plus matchup, but I'm going to have to rank Lamb fourth here and we'll take him to a score of nine. So I've got 24-21 to Steven. Wow. So it's starting to, sort of like the other matchup, kind of run away a little bit to one direction. I mean, Lamb is definitely, he was looking great at different times with Dak there, but he is clearly the third of the receivers, and that's not to mention Schultz. Yeah, I think him and Gallup sort of intertwine, and, you know, Cooper can go missing. But Cooper's definitely the clear guy, and those other two sort of just have their their decent games without the other one having a good game. It just sort of flip-flops. So it's hard to sort of project him being great when he's got the other two sort of taking it away. And the Dalton only throws 220 yards. There's yeah. just not much pie there. No, I mean, there just hasn't been a world where Lamb has even been on yeah. the field as much as Gallup. Sure, he might have been a bit more productive when he's been on there. But, I mean, it's just the opportunity for him to get the points is so much smaller than the other two. So, Henry versus Pooper. Again, remember the sausage in the hallway. Henry gets the better matchup with the Falcons instead of the Ravens for Pooper. Won't go into it too much. I'll lean Henry 9-6. Woof. Okay. We just throw more wood yeah. on the old scuba fire. So, Here we go. Now, I'm, I'm not high on either of these guys. Edmonds is the clear backup. And with Drake getting a good matchup, I think he is used far more than the reception work of Edmonds. Cup also gets a pat secondary that has gotten healthy and who absolutely destroyed my husband and the Chargers receivers last week. Cup may get Gilmore too, which won't be ideal, but I'll still lean him here and go 9-7 to, to Cup. Well, you know, I had the feeling that Gilmore is, to me, I just think he's more Yeah, like it could be either or. Around, I, moves around the formation. Woods doesn't move around the formation as much. So that's kind of the thing that's got me feeling. Yeah, and I will say that the Pats have this tendency to take away the main... Uh, receiver from the other team, which is going to be harder to do against the Rams because they have Woods and Cup. So, like you said, it's going to be hard to work yeah. out who actually Gilmore sort of takes. And, you know, it's it's not going to be as easy as taking away Keenan Allen last week. It's, they're actually going to have to do something against both of them. So, they might open it up for Cup. But I think in the end, they're going to have to run a lot and uh, on this Pats defense because they're far better at the in the secondary than they are defending the rushing. So... Yeah, Nothing much to mention with kickers and defense for these guys as they are relatively close. Bears over charges defense would, would lean towards Justin, but I don't see him being a huge part of this matchup, but you never know. Funnily enough, my overall is pretty close. Um, I don't know if you forgot that the matchup at the start actually went to Justin. The five points probably made it a bit closer because Carr against Murray, I've actually projected Murray to be up by five. So it actually made it a lot closer when I looked yeah. at the end. I've actually got Stephen winning 98.5 to 96. Wow. So in complete contrast in terms of yeah, the and scoring. That, that defense matchup, even though I said it probably won't make a huge difference, I did project it to have a three-point difference. I had charges at seven and bears at 10. So, I mean, that brought it back a little bit too when I looked further into that. I just didn't think it was worth mentioning. Uh, yeah, I'd figured I'd do the complaining session and, and some season regrets on the next pod because uh, I went pretty in depth in these matchups. 
So I just wanted to say a good luck again to everyone. There wasn't as much profanity and not too much garbage from me today. I just wanted to sort of get into the nitty gritty and talk more about the matchups. So <laughs> good luck again, everyone. Uh, it's been a fantastic year. I'm sure Adam and Justin will probably try and stick it to me for not picking them. So good luck, guys. Another guy who was being drafted like he died too was... Oh, T.Y. Hilton. He's a good receiver. <laughs> he actually doesn't look great. Whole career has been defined by boom. Barkley. Or bust. Yeah. Or hurt. And to see him bang out 26 points was extraordinarily satisfying. A huge F you to the vinegar stroke. It is one of my very favourite times of the week having Taylor on and... I love just how deep he gets into these things. He honestly loves fantasy football first, everything else on the earth second. And it has been fantastic to have him on the show so much this year. I'm going to keep dragging him on as long as the season goes and hopefully get him on through the off-season as well. All right, we're going to get out of here on the Saturday. This is the Astro League Podcast. I am your obnoxious commissioner, Matty C, signing out. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Astro League Podcast. Get on there, cause some damage, have some fun, leave some comments, make some questions, whatever you want to do, interact in there, have some fun with it. There is always going to be plenty of content coming up too as we get through these playoff weeks. And hopefully, 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 we'll get to crown an exciting new champion in just a couple of short weeks' time. Come back and meet us on the Monday show. What's happening on the Monday show? I've got the owner GM of $10 Booker. This is Scuba Steve Wallace coming on the show. I met him out and about on Monday and we met out at Bleacher Sports Bar in the ACT. It's right on the main drag uh, in the centre of town too. So, I mean, there's a lot of noise going on in the background, but it was great to catch up with Steve. We got to have a sneaky beer, some wings, and we talked football. It was so great and I'm looking forward to catching up with him through the off-season as well. All right, guys, I'm going to get out of here. This is Matty C signing off for the Astro League podcast. Good luck to everybody who's playing in the wildcard here in week 14. Uru. Play. Play it. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League-specific news, information and stats with your obnoxious commissioner, Matty C.